Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Kreisman. And I'm Ira Kreisman. And on this episode, we take a bit of an interlude after a whole lot of Final Fantasy VII. Arguably, no such thing as too much Final Fantasy VII, but still, uh, we're taking a break in between that and Final Fantasy Tactics. It's going to be the next game we dive deeply into to do another top 10. It's been a little while mm-hmm. since we've done one of these. We've technically only done one on the show, our top 10 SIDS. Right. Though we did do the top 20 Final Fantasy Seven pieces. Right, right. Which was just a, a method of being able to talk about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, man, I will say, this was... And again, I, I will release you of all culpability here. Thank you. <laughs> I ranked these. This was hard. At first, I did it just kind of off the top of my head. And I felt like I had a pretty solid top ten. I was real confident in and then I kept remembering things and then I went back and watched all of them and then I remembered that we actually cover the Final Fantasy multiverse and so we have to include things like the Chrono games and Kingdom Hearts yeah so this became a very difficult exercise very quickly (laughs) so as always we have very loose rules or parameters or rubrics that or again i have very loose uh-huh. <laughs> rules and, and parameters here i mentioned everything in the multiverse is eligible we're not going to do full breakdowns of every intro first of all that would just take too long and we're going to do that or already have done that with some of the games that we go into in depth and that will happen at some point with all of these also there are multiple versions of a lot of these intros and so i tried to separate all of those out but that caused a whole kind of brain headache but i did just decide that you had to i had to specify which version for the list i sort of generally thinking about what makes a great intro and and seeing what they're all kind of trying to do have these three basic things i was looking out for One, how much does it just draw you in? How much, you know, at the end of the thing, are you ready to play the game? And and you're you're ready to do that. You're you're hyped for it, essentially, right? The second thing is how well does it set up the story, whether it's through verbal or nonverbal, you know, more ambiguous means or what? Is there stuff in there that you can parse out uh, about the narrative to come? And then three... You know, how entertaining is the experience of just watching it on its own? And even a a further extension of that, if you were to sit down a friend or a family member who's never played a video game or has no idea what Final Fantasy is, and you were just to show them the opening cutscene or whatever, you know, and we'll talk in just a second about what qualifies as an intro, how just baseline entertained would they be? So those are kind of the main things I tried to keep in mind while ranking. I also noticed that these intros tend to blend, but also kind of fall into three categories. There's the once upon a time traditional setup, basically, you know, just here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. Now the story begins. There are some of these that are what I call kind of montage hype packages, basically a commercial for the game you're about to play. And then some that just throw you right in the middle of some nonsense and let you go. And again, there's some mixing of all of that, but uh, we'll kind of mention that as we go throughout. And uh, 
the other thing was that Ira, you texted me as we were getting ready for this, you know, what, what counts as an intro? Yeah. What, what exactly here, where are we cutting it off? And I said, once you start playing the character, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. We could, there, there could be a whole debate over that as well. And like I said, really separating out the top 10 of this was very, very difficult. So we're going to do a bunch of honorable mentions up front. A few I'm going to go through a bit more quickly that are more, I just didn't want to not mention these. I feel like Final Fantasy X-2. I'm not a huge fan of that song, honestly, but I feel like it does a great job of setting the tone. The song, the dance, the feel. I like the little character intros with their names next to them and, and mm-hmm. bringing us the trio and it's charming. I Yeah, I actually really like this intro for all those things you just said. It really, it especially sets the tone for what it's not, which is a giant world-ending kaiju is not going to be the the last fight of this game. And I think by, by sort of stealthing into this pop concert uh, in order to do what they're going to do is, is an excellent way to introduce what it's not as much as what it is totally right like do exactly right like do not expect that normal very serious oftentimes final fantasy tone usually at least at the at the outset right right speaking of which very serious tone at the outset of typo did not make the list but it's got a pretty quality intro oh yeah absolutely i mean they the whole place gets wrecked, and then our, our heroes sort of come together in into what will be the logo for the game, right? And they raise the flag, and everyone's got their specialized weapons ready. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, good one. All the Dissidia games have awesome intros, and I almost yeah. forgot about them entirely. <laughs> and, like, honestly, on the show this to your mom completely out of context list, these might be some of the most entertaining. It- they're really cool. I just wish I knew better how to play the game. Yeah, right. Sure. Right. But again, just, just watching all the Final Fantasy heroes and villains, not all of them, but, you know, the primary ones. Uh, it's even the wrong thing to say. One from each game. <laughs> right, right. The big crossover. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. It's Yeah, lots of fun. Cool and epic. Crystal Chronicles needs to get oh. mentioned. Very charming. That song is adorable. I love this game so much. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it's it's not the most deep. It's not the most complex. Even the intro isn't. The intro is very... There's a certain genre of anime that's sort of slice of life. Like, there are enemies. There are problems. We're, we're the hero. But also, maybe we run a laundry. Right? And sure. so <laughs> right. It's a right. little gentler. And so is this intro. And it does a nice job of, of priming you for what, what you're in for. Yeah. Also, I mentioned, you know, multiple versions of intros earlier. The first five games all have the CGI intros that came later on for either the PlayStation 1 or the DS. Some of them better than others. Again, since there's only so much time here and we're only in honorable mentions, there's still several to go. I wanted to single out actually the one for three. Uh, I think it's 
particular musical montage and sets of imagery and ending on the big crystal tower and everything. I think that's probably my favorite, at least, of the sort of later added on CG intros for those early games. And once again, we're going to get some mail from the Final Fantasy IX fans. Now, look, I, I think in this one, I've got much stronger footing than I have before. And I will say nine is the game I'm now most looking forward to replaying for this podcast. Nine and 13. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, because I know it's a it's a massive fan favorite. I've always loved it, but not quite as much as some of the others. I do. While its intro is especially great in hindsight for how it sets up some nuanced parts of the story. It, when you watch it, it is, it's pretty short. It's just Garnett out at sea in the storm. You know, it, it, once you get back to it later in the story and you go, Oh, that's what that was about. It's pretty cool. But watching it on its own, it's one of the least inspiring in the series. Yeah. I, I was trying to figure out a, a way to argue with you on this, but I just, I don't have a lot to say about it. I will say if you, again, were, and this is true of a lot of these, if you were to extend it and be like, really, the intro is the entire scene with them showing up with Tantalus and her kidnapping herself. Like, that's sure. phenomenal yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, and, and wearing the white mage outfit and right. just sort of jumping off the balcony, like daring. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. Daring that, that very pretty boy to chase after her. Yeah. Fantastic. But if, if our rule is... Once you take control of the character, then then I agree, it's it's much shorter. Right. Wanted to mention that Chrono Trigger has a couple of pretty cool intros, but it was clearly less like you you could forget that the original game even had an intro or not see it if you didn't wait there for a minute. Kind of a little montage thing. It just sort of starts. A a lot of Super Nintendo games did that where. If you if you hit start right away, you get went right into the game. But if you didn't, uh, something would play. Right. And it was almost arcade game in that way, right? Like there would just be this this loop of a right. thing that would play. And they don't really do that anymore. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, when it was later released on the PlayStation One, they put a badass Akira Toriyama montage of cutscenes on the front. I almost included it on the top 10 just for that because it's super hype and it's got that song and love those characters, but just couldn't quite do it. It just, again, the top 10 was hard. It was just hard, man. And here are the two most difficult omissions from the top 10 list easily. The first is Final Fantasy 15. Oof, dude. I know, I know. And this one hurt because it, it's so interesting. It, it mixes actually, remember those elements I was talking about before? It doesn't do any montage hype package or whatever, but it does throw you into the middle, as I called it, right? Because mm-hmm. it really, it throws you into the end. Right, exactly. Right into the middle of this enormous fire demon battle. And then kind of out of nowhere, it seems to just cut back to that, to the before times and give you a little bit of the once upon a time. Sure. I wanted to include it on the list for the conversation between Noctis and his father alone. Because it's beautiful. Where Noctis is just kind of blowing him off and trying to go on a road trip with his buddies. And 
the way it's done, especially in, in hindsight. And if you've already seen the movie, which is probably the real intro. Right, right. I'm pretty sure Kingsglaive is the introduction to Final Fantasy 15. Right. <laughs> but when he says, walk tall, my son. Oh. Dude. Oh. And then, again, you don't actually take full control of the characters until uh, the Florence and the Machine Stand By Me has already started to play, and then you start pushing the car. So even that is part of the intro. You get kind of three different scenes there. Um, And I really, really like the way it it sets up that game. I just, ah. (laughs) Yeah, God, that really is beautiful. Maybe this is a top 12 then, because... If if we're going all the way up to pushing the car, yeah, God, I'm getting the feels just thinking about it. Right. So yeah, you'll you'll have to see as we go through the rest of the list. Like, what would you maybe have ranked it over? So let's keep going. Then if that's twelve at number eleven, and I said I'm already breaking my rules and lying to all of you because I did not separate out different versions of Final Fantasy Tactics. God, I remember watching that intro on the original PlayStation multiple mm-hmm. times. Yeah, booting up the game just to watch the intro and the, the chocobos running through the ruins and the water and the forest and, and all of it. Camera moved. This is not the last time you're going to hear this, but the music, the piece oh. of music that plays those bagpipes and the sweeping camera movements, the way it climaxes, much the way another more famous game on this list does with its logo and the music and it all crescendos in this huge triumphant moment. And Ira, it's we're talking about all of these parts. What happens in the intro to Final Fantasy X? What happens? Well, in the in the introductory movie, the the chocobos run up through the forest to the church where our potential Ophelia is being rescued, or her her bodyguards are arriving, right? Well, it, rescued and or not, as, right? As it exactly, were. and Ophelia um, and or not, but, for that matter. But again, if you just watch the intro, you don't even know that much. Like you did a little right. extra legwork. What happens is some chocobos, some guys on chocobos run from one spot to another. Sure. Yep. You know what? Fair enough. <laughs> that is what happens. The people on the chocobos turn out to be very important. And the place they're going turns out to be very important. But oh, just yeah. that intro. Yeah. yeah. And again, if we're including up to the car in 15, you've also got to include the setup and dialogue from Ara's Okay. Long. Yep. And so it's just like, and when he explains Goltana and Larg, the end of the war, the beginning of the War of the Lions, and that is actually, because that PS1 version is iconic and amazing, it hasn't aged quite as well, but it's still pretty dope, especially because of the music, but you still get the music in the War of the Lions version, the hand-drawn animations are gorgeous. Gods. It's so, so good. It's so good. I'm mad at myself that it didn't make the list. <laughs> well, and, and for that matter, so if we're including the, the sort of historian telling the story framing device, yeah, and we're including the chocobos running up to the church, we don't control the characters until after we go outside, right? So now you're getting the interplay oh, between good point. So you do Agraeus. get, yeah. Yeah, so Agraeus is saying, Ophelia, come on, we got to hurry up. And then Gafgarian comes comes in and says, blah, 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 blah. I'm a butthead. And Agrius says, listen here, you son of a bitch. Right. Yeah, you get all that. 
And then again, if we're doing the War of the Lions version, it's actually much more clear that we're following Delita's approach to right. the castle. So it introduces Delita Hyrule, maybe the most underrated character in the history of Final Fantasy. <laughs> Just yeah. such an intriguing character. And so... Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe we'll reorder it, but I don't think we can. It's just there. Well, it's too hard. It's nice that it that you put it right after Final Fantasy 15 because it does the same thing 15 does where here's this thing. Now let's go back 10 years or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah, so cool. Okay. Starting the list proper. <laughs> oh my god. In at number 10. Final Fantasy X. Wow. Starting I strong. Know. Dude, I when again, when I did this in my head, I figured Final Fantasy X was a top five. Now, I did get a little bit technical here, and I considered kicking it off the list in favor of Tactics in 15 a couple of times over a technicality, because you take control of Titus before the big, huge CGI opening before all the stuff in the Blitzball stadium and sin attacking and all that technically i could exclude all of that so so by our rules then because because you walk him through the crowd and you do the salute okay all right you hear the story about ject and the day ject disappeared and that whole thing uh, you got to go and sign autographs and flirt with girls and, and all of those things right sure and so all of that said why did Final Fantasy X still make the list? What if what if we can't include... Let's say we can't. Let's say we can't include any of that stuff. How does Final Fantasy X start? This is our story. Yeah. It's <laughs> one of the most iconic lines in Final Fantasy history. And even before that, the music. Yes. Return to Xanarkand. Yeah. That bit of piano music... And that slow build, and again, starting us in the middle of the story, right? And showing us our heroes at this interesting time in their lives, to say the least. And begging a million questions about who are these people and what's going on here. And then he says, this is my story. And you're like, okay, yes, I will. I will listen. I'm very curious. And the music is just, yeah. That's really what I just kept going. Well, the other ones didn't have Tzanarkin, so sorry. Yeah, it, it's a strong intro from the music alone. And then you get that cool shot of like all the weapons sort of gathered. Yeah. And they're off sitting by the fire pit and uh, just sort of being together, but in their own thoughts. And like the adventure is almost pushed away from them, right? Because the weapons are all over here. The tools of adventuring are all sitting over here. And there the adventurers are sitting over here in this other spot. And we're about to go in and we're about to do this thing. And Titus has to go up and, and stand on the, the sort of pride rock thing. And yeah, this is our story. This is important. Yeah. And I, I try not to do this too much, but this is also one of the best. It comes back later right. intros, right? When you get to this moment in the story, it's that much more powerful because you've been here before. So really, really quality stuff. Okay. In at number nine, my biggest surprise to myself of this entire <laughs> list, Final Fantasy 
11. Man. So, I played a little bit of Final Fantasy 11. I couldn't tell you how much. I created a character, two, three weeks maybe. Uh, I'm sure for a real MMORPGer, that's, that's enough to get to level 90 or whatever. I have no idea. Yeah. But what I do remember, and I didn't, and you, you, we were getting ready for this, and you said, you remember Final Fantasy XI's intro? Go take seven minutes or whatever it is and watch it. And as I was watching, I started remembering that, yes, of course, I have seen this before. And man, oh, yeah. man, Drew. Yeah. It's emotional, right? So it does everything that you want a good beginning of a story to do. It sets up a lot of the lore just by looking at it. You see a lot of the different races because you've got this big military scene, right? A huge battle. So we see all different kinds of people doing different kinds of battling and magic and the different races and and job archetypes of the world. Uh, We get introduced to a couple of characters that we immediately fall in love with because they're running away from the invaders. And then it's really sad because sister character doesn't make it. And then we Emmeline. Oh, Emmeline. Follow the, the, the brother character. The, even the returning motif of them looking at their hometown through the pinching of the fingers off in the distance. It's mm-hmm. really just beautiful storytelling. Yeah, it, it it's essentially a short story. Yeah. This is the short story of how, you know, these kids came to town and then come back to town. You know, one of them does. So it does a really good job. There's the narrator. Uh, sort of narration over your big battle scene can sometimes come off as a little tedious, but I thought this was, it didn't bother me at all. Right. Seeing all the various uh, adventure, they call them the enlightened races, which is not a word I would use. Sure. uh, Because there's some potential racist uh, implications there. But just, yeah, you know, we are defending our city. Uh, Here come the aggressors. And we're just following these two kids throughout the fight. And yeah, the older sister doesn't make it. Yeah. And Aldo's got to go on by himself. And then he comes back. Yeah. And that is uh, particularly triumphant. Yeah. Especially with all his friends, right? With everyone there with him. And then the logo again, which is which is the big army. The music. Oh. Goodness. Such a brilliant piece of music it's actually one that i've most wanted to hear live that i've never gotten the chance to just because it gets really big and epic and really small and beautiful and that's a a neat trick to pull off okay in at number eight the original super nintendo intro to final fantasy six yeah, I'm already a sucker for this game, as anybody who's listened to our discussion about Final Fantasy VI will know. And you let me read the intro last time. <laughs> so, yeah. so it holds a special place in my heart for that reason, too. Right? Uh, it's, it's Again, it's the history. It's why this is important. And when we come up to, you know, are those in power on the verge of a senseless and deadly mistake, our response is, well, always... Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> of like, yeah. gods, it it takes the returners, or whomever, you know, it takes the common folk, it takes the people who recognize that this bad thing is about to happen to to hold it off, in fiction or otherwise. Yeah. 
we don't control them until they enter Narsh, right? So is it the whole, mm-hmm. it's Biggs and Wedge going up to the, and looking over Narsh, and mm-hmm. then the march through the credits in the snowfield. Uh, yeah, that's, it's all pretty incredible. Yeah, it's probably, you know, the best once upon a time intro that they do. It It's a great, the great setup with, thousand years ago or to man all right it does the stealth intro of characters by showing us kafka and leo mm-hmm. and celeste and gestal before we'll ever meet them in the story proper but we see them as part of the empire we're getting a lot more story than we realize at first glance and then yeah you've got the iconic parts of it you mentioned some of the writing that is iconic and and the march to Narsh, which was one of the most amazing things we'd ever seen on the Super Nintendo, and one of the most cinematic things that we'd seen with the credits and everything. Yeah, it was, uh, I can't believe it's in eighth place, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... Now I'm trying to think ahead. So, so that everyone's clear, Drew has come up with the list, and I am reacting. <laughs> so now I'm trying to figure out what comes next. I do also want to quickly mention the, uh, the PlayStation CG Final Fantasy VI intro. I'm not sure it's better than the Super Nintendo intro. Uh, I feel like it it adds a little. I think it's neat. But I think this is one of those things that goes to show that you don't always have to remake a thing for it to be cool. Like, I I don't think that this intro does anything better. The only thing I think it does really strongly is give us the clear indication that Kefka is the one sending our, our party north. Right. And there are some really cool shots of the steam and the Magitek and the, the Kathunka Kathunka and the doors open. And like, it, it, it's all well done enough. Uh, I'm just not sure it does anything better yeah. than. I like the little look at Vector, you know? I, I like how okay, like that yeah. with the flying machines going through. But I, I'm with you. That's why I didn't put that version on. I, I do think there's a certain kind of perfection to the original Super Nintendo intro to Final Fantasy VI that just. Again, one of the parameters was, does it bring you into the world and set you up for the story? It may not do as well. You know, the stuff ahead of it's going to do a lot better. And could your mom watch this and be entertained? But in terms of, especially at the time, do you now want to play this game where you're riding into town on a giant mech and you just heard about this war a thousand years ago between magical people and humans and... And you just saw this giant empire encroaching. You're like, yes, yes, you, yes, <laughs> you're in, right? Mm-hmm. All right. And speaking of drawing you into a story, and this one scores incredibly high in the throws you into the middle of it category. In at number seven, Final Fantasy thirteen. So, yeah, this intro is mind-blowing. It was graphically insane. It's more action-packed and adrenaline rush than probably any other Final Fantasy intro ever. It introduces a lot of incredible elements, including, you know, that this is the most technologically advanced Final Fantasy we've ever been in by quite a lot. 
I love, love, love its opening shot, which is this cool kind of red herring where it looks like you're looking through the clouds at stars in the sky, but as mm-hmm. it begins to pan, you see that, no, that's another planet with lights inside, which immediately is like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, introducing one of the key elements of Final Fantasy Thirteen being those two worlds, of Pulse and Cocoon. You get the idea of these people in jail, that the, this purge is going, they drop you right in the middle of a purge, like this huge battle is waging everywhere. And and I think the biggest thing for me that really puts it over the top is the introduction of one of the best characters in the history of Final Fantasy, and that's Lightning. And she just, this is, there she is being awesome. And I love it. It's It's such a cool intro. Yeah, Lightning is great. So most James Bond movies begin with James Bond finishing the last mission. Usually we don't know anything about that last mission other than this is what it was and and this is the end and James Bond wins. And then we get the theme song and now we're going to be introduced to whatever the actual movie is about. This sort of feels like the end of Lightning's last mission and the beginning of the next. And and it really gives her that cool like she's always on assignment, right? Like she's always kicking ass. It almost doesn't matter. You you put her on a train, you could put her on a plane, you could put her on the yeah. bus from speed and she's gonna be the hero. It's yeah, I agree. It's a great way to introduce her and the situation and what you know, we we talked about this with Final Fantasy Ten too, also, like this is not necessarily what you think it's going to be. You, the, you know some of what's going to be going on because it's Final Fantasy, but Final Fantasy is we're not doing what we did last time. And I feel like this gets that across really well. Huge, right? One of the biggest tonal shifts ever. And it's funny because, again, I said earlier, I, I, we really need to replay 13, I think, for both of us. It's one that mm-hmm. on original play, it didn't hit quite as hard. But, you know, Final Fantasy has a reputation for some slow openings and <laughs> and that's fair you know i think that's fair this is just the complete opposite of that again and even at once you do take control of lightning and you know jump over to snow this whole thing is just action non-stop for the first like five hours of Final Fantasy right. 13 it's it's pretty there's incredible. no there's no history lesson here right that's not what we're doing here right really drop you right in the middle of stuff okay Speaking of a history lesson, <laughs> in at number six, Final Fantasy Twelve. Wow. God, the wedding, huh? Yeah. This is classic. It, it kind of tries to have all the different elements of it. Not really a montage, but it, it's so long, this intro, and it gives you so many different flavors that, you know, while it's not peeking into the future of the story... It goes in a lot of different directions. But yeah, just opening with the parade and the wedding is such a great visual, such a great once upon a time fairy tale opening. And then immediate subversion, he's sent right. off to war and he dies. God. And she goes straight from wearing her wedding dress to wearing the funeral veil. And like... Oh my god, and there's so much. There's action-packed sequences, there's palpable Star Wars feel with mm-hmm. the camera movements and the way the airships move around and the just kind of mix of magic and technology. There, There's so many iconic visuals. The music again is fantastic. And 
Yeah, I just, I, and especially with the subversion of it in there. Again, they could have had the intro just be, hey, they get married and we're going to start you here. And we'll give you a little bit of that. But they, they do a whole, like you were saying earlier about Eleven, this is almost a whole mini movie. Right. That you can show, again, anyone who's never seen any of this stuff, just show them the intro to Final Fantasy Twelve, and they'll be like, wow, interesting. So so this does that, that cool thing that you can do in storytelling where you start narrow and go broad or start broad and go narrow, right? So, Luke, we've got this huge uh, conflict between nations. Then we go into, and then here's the history of things with the Marquis Elmdor, and then uh, finally we narrow so in good. on... Here are a couple of just regular folks in Van and Pinello. Right, so royals and war and death and and weddings and history and now real people. And that's yes. that's a cool move to make in storytelling. Absolutely love it. And it's probably my favorite of that kind of thing when the Elmdor, Marquis de Elmdor, is reading that. It's so well written, his voice is so fantastic. And it, again, pulls you into the story. You want to hear all about this huge conflict. But then, yeah, it's, let's see what the regular people are up to. Mm, great stuff. I watch that. That's one I'll just go back and watch randomly when I feel like it. <laughs> just for fun. It's so good. Uh, and it's amazing that it came out on the PlayStation 2. Oh, God, it did, didn't it? <laughs> it's, wow. It still looks like that. Speaking of incredible PlayStation 2 games. In at number five, and this is about to open up an entire can of worms, a a longer conversation than even just this one intro. Kingdom Hearts 2. (laughs) Okay, okay, hang on. So how far do we go? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What counts as the intro... The Kingdom Hearts uh, too. Well, right. No, yeah. So I'm just basically doing the CGI movie. Okay. Right? All right. So, yeah, no, like, or, or is Chain of Memories really the intro? The way Kingsley sure. is the intro? You know, it's just And, oh, man. And then there's another caveat here. We haven't played most of the mobile Kingdom Hearts games. Right. And... Uh, I actually haven't even finished Kingdom Hearts 3 yet. So, all that said, you know, I, and I didn't mention, because I didn't want to spoil it, Kingdom Hearts 1 does get an honorable mention. I didn't, it, it didn't make the list. And it's got, look, simple and clean rocks, and it really does bring you into that world, and I love it, love it, love it. I do think just in pretty much every way, Kingdom Hearts 2 took the entire experience to the next level. I just feel like it was better executed in almost every way. And where the Kingdom Hearts 1 intro, again, and they're both very montage with a mm-hmm. pop song playing with them. The Kingdom Hearts 1, it's mostly about, hey, we're going to show you all the Disney worlds because we just want you to know you're going to get to go to all these Disney worlds. Right. The Kingdom Hearts 2 intro has a lot more, who are these guys in cloaks and what's going on there? And... Yeah, a lot of a lot more questions about its own internal lore, which of course Kingdom Hearts 2 is where that game would very much become all about its own internal lore. Yeah, exactly. When when folks who love Kingdom Hearts get mad at folks like us for calling it a spin-off of Final Fantasy, I think this is where they really start to have that strong argument of Kingdom Hearts is its own thing, and I I agree. I, I you know, I think that's great. 
Um, but it, and it's, it does a real good job of sort of like recapping what happened in Chain of Memories. And, and, and yeah, like you said, it's just, it's so much its own thing at this point. And, and part of what we've talked about is, do you set up the expectations for your audience, right? So if your audience is already familiar with Kingdom Hearts 1, this sets up the expectation that, wait, organization of black hooded people and and it's more about like who's this blonde kid and maybe i should have played chain of memories and yeah <laughs> right it does a good job of ex- of saying no we're not just the spin-off anymore we got a whole thing going on here and yeah. i hope you're ready because this is going to be awesome and while i get a single tear at least in my eye every time i hear simple and clean and it's a great song and it really is the like kingdom hearts theme that and dearly beloved sanctuary is one of the greatest songs ever written by anybody ever it is quite good i thought hikaru is a genius and we'll talk about that at a later time (laughs) man all right top four in at number four yeah goodness final fantasy 14 a realm reborn thought that was the end of final fantasy 14 uh-huh <laughs> yeah okay yeah so i remember correctly then it's everything isn't it it's the end of one story it's the beginning of another it's an introduction to a world and all of it's again like we're talking about with 11 different kinds of people and conflict and it's epic in scope answers is my fiance's favorite piece of Nobuo Uematsu music and it's one of mine and I've got a list out to a hundred everything about it and I will say I disqualified by the way any of the stuff for the expansions oh sure I just couldn't just couldn't do that and I haven't gotten all of them anyway but no just this is the beginning of this new story and A Realm Reborn's introductory cutscene is mind-blowing it is I, f- I feel like it's it's final fantasy 11s but turned up to 11 11 yeah uh-huh. and, <laughs> and, right we, yeah, and we don't follow the kids right it's just it's here's the here's the apocalypse here's what that was but at an apocalyptic level uh it's just incredible and it and it accomplishes a similar thing like i'm ready to dive into this world and try to do everything i can to protect it and its people yeah i think what it does lose a little bit in the personal character moment which i agree is so great for 11s especially to do in such big you know battle stuff is it gains on the other side of it right where in 11 it's like that town was destroyed in 14 it's like that enormous otherworldly dragon just blew up the world Mm-hmm. 
and we have to start all over again. And then you do get some of the the smaller moment right after the dust dust settles. We do start to get uh, some more credits, and we get the well. I won't give any spoilers, but you know, kind of the guy from the trailer, trailer boy as Mandersnatch, one of my favorite. No, my favorite streamer calls a trailer boy. Trailer boy, <laughs> uh, huh? Because he's in all the trailers. He right, shows up. Yeah. And uh, then you get that, like, it has been so many years and the people are rebuilding and you get introduced to the world of Eorzea, which is one of the most amazing digital places in the history of digital places. Okay. Are you ready to get real? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Okay. In at number three, Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. Let's have this conversation. Uh, I'm pretty sure it starts at the end of Spirits Within. That's the same eagle, right? <laughs> it is. We get the Hope Bird. Yeah. We get this part that was not there in the original and i can understand again if someone wants to stand up and say the og is actually better it's subtler it's you know not quite as expository even though there's no dialogue still in this intro right it's it's all visual storytelling and i could i will absolutely hear out an argument that says you lose something by not just beginning in the ambiguous starfield slash life stream and at the first image of the game, especially because the OG last image of the game, as we just got done talking about, is Aerith's face. So we lose something by not having that. I'll, I'll concede that. I feel like I could write a novel on what you get now before that. Just before that. The, the dead plants. The kids mm-hmm. on the bikes. Mm-hmm. The hope bird seeing the desert wasteland outside of Midgar before seeing Midgar. Right. Seeing the enormity of the buildings from up close to them, but still them not giving us the, the full scope of the entire city till we get to the classic shot. Like, the, the kids looking up and the green of the reactor reflecting in their eyes. Mm-hmm. The, the shots of the playground, like everything we get. And then the added musical changes. Yes. Hints of one winged angel. Like, dude. And then ultimately we still do get the most gorgeous rendition of the original iconic Final Fantasy VII intro. And it's, I know I've said mind blowing a couple of times before, but (laughs) Watch this with mom. You remember, everyone remembers, 7 Remake came out right as the pandemic was starting. And mom and I were down in Arizona for some baseball. And all of a sudden there was no baseball. So we did Final Fantasy 7 Remake and watched this. And she reacted like every other human being reacted. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, and... Like we've said, you know, are we going to set up the expectations? Part of Final Fantasy VII Remake is the point that this is not Final Fantasy VII. This is not just a remake of the story we've already got. This is, for whatever reason, a new telling of it, a new doing of it. 
And part of the point is, some of us, Aerith and Sephiroth, know something's up. And so that those musical cues are intertwined is very important. Yeah. And, and so that is the hint that, look guys, I know what you thought you were getting into. And I know you don't get it yet. But the whispers of 1997, right? The, the puppet strings of the past, the, the hand of fate uh, from those days is trying to make you do what you've already done. And like, I get that you loved that, but wouldn't it be interesting if we could do it a little better this time? Yeah. <laughs> now, whether yeah. or not you actually end up doing it better, you know. <laughs> now that's on them. That's quite right. The, yeah. yeah. But and, and, and why should we? Why should we have to bow to what's happened before? I've already gone on this rant in previous episodes, but just because that's the way it happened last time does not mean that that's the way it's got to happen this time. Yeah. And they, they put all of that stuff here in the intro, and on top of everything else, it's just gorgeous. It it's really just is. beautiful to look at. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. It's kind of period. <laughs> just, just can end the sentence there the lights and stuff in Midgar oh go on the first thing I did when I got my PS5 was boot this game up get the updated graphical version of it and watch this intro didn't even have time to play the game I had to be at work in like 15 minutes or whatever but it was I've got 10 minutes to watch the intro done <laughs> yeah. yeah so there are two better than that I well, you know how I feel about better than. Yeah. Um, but I am curious to think of what you <laughs> have come up with for better than. Goodness. All right. And really, this was a coin flip. This it's one A one B here. I'll give you my reasons for why I went with one when I get there. But in at number two, something I think a lot of people consider to be the greatest intro in the history of video games. Chrono. Like with just about everything we've talked about, this intro comes with an iconic piece of music, but Time Scar is really one of the most beautiful pieces of music, again, in video games or, or otherwise, soundtracks, whatever. It's just on its face gorgeous to listen to. The intro, interestingly enough, is entirely of the montage commercial for the game variety, right? right? It doesn't yep. do any once upon a time or any of that kind of setup. It doesn't end and, and you're right 
you know, in the shoes of, of the character that just went through whatever you watched. It's just a completely out of context collection of images. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure a child gets mauled by a giant cat at some point. Right. There's a, a young Australian lady mm. with a knife. Just lots of, and, and the, like you said, the music is beautiful, but, but you're right. It's just, here are, uh, here's a quick selection of things that may or may not happen to you in this world or the next. Yeah, it really does just survive on the strength of its aesthetics and it's wild you know that it's even aged as well as it had this was a playstation one game i remember actually once showing this intro to dad and he was so transfixed just by the image of harley harl mm -hmm. the the harley the harlequin character that i figured out how to actually open the playstation while the cutscene was playing so that it would freeze on that image so he could paint her <laughs> yeah and you could do that with 10 20 different images from this intro if it's serge going through the that which is kind of the only thing that's loosely expository is you you see the that image of him going through the dimensions right but right. still it's out of context you don't know what it means yet uh, you see links you know all of this stuff but you could just the dragons, but it's yeah, it it is the prototype of if you're gonna do and you know there's a lot of anime that does this too in their intros. If you're gonna show me a bunch of stuff that I'm about to see, but also not give it away, but have me just intrigued clearly on the audio and visuals of it, this is the one. This is the prototype. And in at number one is Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. Man. Speaking of starting at the end, sort of. Um, <laughs> Which is also both the middle and the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. God. So it's not really a history lesson, but it is... Well, and it's, it's purposely, mm -hmm. obviously ambiguous, right? And it's just the sort of the field of flowers and the, the words going across the screen. Uh, and, you know, I imagine if there, w there was voice acting for these games back, back then, it would have been sort of this echoey talking over each other confusion. Right. And then, man, then we get a shot of the moon. I wonder if the moon might be important in these games. Man. Yeah, there's... So again, I, I said, so what, what's the reason I would put Final Fantasy VIII over Chrono Cross? And the main reason is because it is also a big montage, a collection of images of things we're going to see throughout the game. But it's also not just that. The images we're going to see throughout the game are interspersed with a battle between Squall and Cypher that's happening right now, or pre-game. It's the lead-up to, so remember when I said a second ago, you know, a Chrono Cross intro doesn't like take you right into the first steps of the character, but this does. Squall wakes up on the bed after the fight that we witnessed in the intro with the scar. Mm -hmm. They've got their matching scars now. So yep. it does exposition in the intro. It sets up a relationship between these two characters. It also very clearly gives us a gigantic spoiler, which is also in the logo by showing us Renoa falling into Squall's arms. It does screw in with time stuff, showing us her iconic 
finger wag and, and walk toward the camera. You mentioned uh, several episodes ago about how you can give away the whole thing mm-hmm. in the intro, and they do so much of that here in 8, but it's so out of context, and the end of that game is so weird anyway. And the fact that you do get to time compression and time travel and when is now and what even is the future to begin with, this intro just takes on that extra level of depth. You know, in anything else, like I said, in Chrono Cross or an anime or whatever, you're, you're showing us stuff that's going to happen in the game because you want us to get excited to get to that part. But this is almost like, no, all of these things are happening all at once, and that's right. part of the story that we're telling you. Yeah, that's that's the best excuse to run a montage of the things that are going to happen is that, well, actually, time doesn't work like that in this game. And quite frankly, neither does it in Chrono Cross, like we were just talking about, right? Because part of the point of that game is, well, you put right. a scar on time, Chrono and right. friends, or Lavos or whomever we're blaming for that, right? It matters that you're getting all these scenes cut together. And that, right. I think, is really cool. That's a That's a fascinating way to do it. Yeah. And of course, with eight, like you said, those lines of dialogue that are so out of context at the beginning that become this really adorable conversation between the two main characters at some point in the story. And I will say it for the last time, the music. Can't not talk about that piece. Jeez. Maybe the greatest composition Nobuo Uematsu has ever composited. <laughs> it, yes. I mean, my God. You know, it, Final Fantasy VII, we, we've talked about how it was this huge leap forward in so many ways, and it, and it really, really was, but it was also this awkward step in a lot of ways. When you booted up Final Fantasy VIII and this happened, like an opera... A space fantasy opera just hits you right in your face. (laughs) It it was unlike, it it was really unlike anything we'd ever seen before. And we'll get more into this, obviously, when we talk about the intro of Eight on its own, which (laughs) we're doing a lot of here, but it's just so damn good. It's why I had to put it number one. Everything combined, those elements, it, it brings you into the story. It introduces characters and lore and the world, but it also gives you a collection of random images that ask a bunch of questions that won't get answered until later. And the visual, like some of the visuals in it, because it's not just visuals you'll see later. Some of them are just in that intro, like the one of the gun blades stuck in the ground. And then you see Sorcerer Sadia enormous in the clouds in the background. Like, oh my God. I, like I said, like I said earlier, I think I could write a novel about the intro of seven remake. The same about eight. I could go on and on and on about just the CGI intro. And I can't even remember when exactly. There's a little conversation between him and Quistus, technically, that we could include before you take control of the character, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I think the important part of this one is the sword fight interspersed with the time compression events that have and will and are happening. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay. There it is, the definitive list. Sure. Anything, I mean, did you want to go back to uh, 15 in tactics? Need to be on that list? What do you take I mean, off? yeah, if we're limiting ourselves to 10, I think this is a solid list. I'm sure people will let us know if we missed or, or got something wrong or should have mentioned a thing. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't I'm, I'm Now I'm thinking about the ones we didn't talk about, the seas shifting and the earth rotting. Yeah. Or the, you know, the, the kids running away from Finn. You mentioned three, or, you know, the Red Wings busting in on Mycidia. Sure. I mean, there's plenty we didn't talk about, but this is a good list. Like, I'm, I'm not really about ranking things, but I think you did a good job. And I think that anybody who's mad about it should definitely email you and not me. <laughs> at least hit us up on Twitter at FFWeeklyPod. Go over to the Patreon.com slash FFWeekly. Or you can even hit me up at Patreon.com slash DC Productions, where I've got a lot more lists. <laughs> Going to top 50 animated movies of all time, anybody? Huh? Come on over. But this was hard to make, man. This was tough. Yeah. I would think so. Uh, but I I feel pretty solid about it. I expect to hear from some Kingdom Hearts fans, uh, the Final Fantasy IX people, of course. And uh, yeah, otherwise I think I'm solid here. 